Forgotten History is presented by State Farm. Getting great car or home insurance from State Farm at a surprisingly great rate? Well, that's just like talking the biggest names in NFL history and hearing their untold stories. It's the real deal. So choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. You know, here on the East Coast and really across the country, McDonald's isn't just a global restaurant, it's a local one as well. Just like how the guests on this show aren't just major Hall of Fame athletes, they're stars and celebrities, but people that work inside each of their communities. McDonald's are owned and operated by people who live in those communities. And when you eat at McDonald's, you're actually supporting American businesses, maybe even your neighbor's business. The McDonald's franchises also care about the communities that they live and work in. They give back by helping first responders and of course supporting local Ronald McDonald charity chapters. When you own a McDonald's, you are committed to serving the community where you do business. McDonald's, serving here. Before we docked, the picture was haywire within hours. And I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> you couldn't even make it back to land before you knew you were screwed. Make it back to land. Hey everybody, Trey Wingo here. Welcome into another edition of Half Forgotten History, where we sit down with a cocktail courtesy of Maker's Mark and have a great conversation with some of the great players in the greatest moments in sports. Our guest today, none other than longtime NFL wide receiver Victor Cruz, who really came out of nowhere to become not only a pro bowler, but a Super Bowl champ for the New York Giants, and then went on to take one of the most awkward photos in maritime history. Victor, cheers to you, brother. Uh, glad to be with you. And it's weird because we're in this season in the NFL where there wasn't a preseason. And you were one of those guys where if there wasn't a preseason, we not, might not be having this conversation because that really got you your chance, right? Yeah, absolutely. I think when you think about the preseason and, you know, it helped me tenfold. Like if I didn't have those games to prove myself, if I didn't have those times in practice to prove it against my teammates, but then go out on, you know, on the football field against opponents, people that you have the game plan for and kind of do it against them was like, it let me know that I belong. It let me know that, okay, all this hard work I'm putting in, I belong in this league. And that gave me the confidence to go forward. You know what I mean? So, and it just, yeah. um, you, you just, you need that. As a free agent, you need every opportunity you can. So tell us a little bit about your story because people will look at you and say, oh, salsa guy scored the touchdown in the Super Bowl against the Patriots. But you really had to scrap and claw. You, you, you grew up not too far away from where you ended up playing for the Giants. You got to UMass kind of barely. Tell us how you sort of got through that process. Yeah, it was tough. I mean, I got to college and looked around and moms wasn't there to wake me up. And there was, you know, alarm clock was kind of slow. And then I just kind of had to battle my way through school and just and once I figured school out, the football came easy and I got to play the last two years at UMass and be there enough and do enough to kind of get some looks. But I was a realist, right? I know I'm not 6'4", 220, you know, DK Metcalf or anything like that. I had to fight and scratch Ooh. and understand who I am and uh, and play, you know what I mean? And, and, and put my best foot forward. So I got the opportunity with the Giants and they were loaded at the time. I remember my mother being like, are you sure you want to go to the Giants? They got like 10 receivers. Hakeem Nix, Mario Manningham, Steve Smith was still there. It was like they were loaded, but I just I wanted to do it at home. I knew if I could give it everything I had, somebody would see it. But I wanted to start at home. And if I had the opportunity, I had to take it. And uh, and opportunities started to unfold. Steve Smith goes to the Eagles. And then that next year after following my rookie season is when uh, is when we go to the Super Bowl. 
But let, let's talk about that rookie uh, preseason because really okay. you were just sort of a dude until one game. It was the yep. third preseason game against the Jets. And before that game, Eli Manning had you over and you guys were playing catch somewhere, right? And you, <laughs> you were just like some guy that was catching the ball from it. Everyone was like, oh, Eli Manning, Eli Manning. And you were like, nobody knows who I am. Not even a clue. Trey, we were in a dog park in Hoboken, New Jersey <laughs> at 8 a.m. And it's like, it was like kind of fall. It was still a little chilly out. My hands are numb. I didn't bring gloves. I was just like, wow, I don't even know what I was thinking not to bring gloves. But we were throwing out there. And, and it was that moment that, you know, let me know that Eli's a real dude. And he doesn't, you know, his, he's not big headed in terms of thinking he just can throw to his guys or guys that he's familiar with. If you're in the area and he needs to throw and he needs to warm that arm up, he's going to give you a call. So, and I got to know him a little bit more then, but that preseason, man, was was everything for me. I, I just knew, you know, I was doing good things in practice and I was making these splash plays. And I remember, I remember, I knew I was a dude when Steve Smith, the first day, saw my name. He was like, Cruz, we don't get many cruises out here. I don't know what's going on. But, uh, but the, <laughs> every day I just started to prove myself and, man, my teammates responded and then we did some some special things. And then it all came into head in that week three game against the Jets where you scored three touchdown passes. At that point, did you have any idea that they were going to feature you that much in that game or did it just sort of unfold as the game went along? It just kind of happened. I, I think um, as we started the game plan, I saw opportunities. You know, as a player, you start to see how they're game planning. You start to understand like offense coordinators and how they kind of put these game plans together. And you're looking, I was like, well, I mean, if they play this coverage, we can get that. That, that could work. Or if they if we get one on one here, I know he's coming to me type of thing. And then all those things just started to culminate as we started to play the game. And I was just just answering the bell, catching the football, making things happen and scoring touchdowns. Well, Rex Ryan, who was the head coach of the Jets at that time, had a, like his comments. I don't know who the half that guy was, but he better make the squad. <laughs> D- did you think after that game, I'm good? Or were you still like nervous because you were the last man on the totem pole sort of when the season began, preseason began? Well, you never know, obviously, in this league. You don't know what, you know, what's going to happen. But I did, after the first touchdown, um, kind of the one handy on the sideline. I was kind of like out of body experience in the end zone. I was like, I think I just made this team. Like I kind of, it kind of came over me that I, I think I made this team because I was doing these things in practice. I wasn't having any mental errors. I understood the game. I understood the playbook. Um, but it, it was just, it all came to fruition in that game. And I just had that kind of over overarching feeling. Like I think, I think I made this team. And if I didn't make this team, I know that I'd probably be getting a phone call from one of those other 32 uh, once we, once, uh, you know, once that deadline approached. Okay. So, so how do you now do the mental gymnastics, right? Because in your mind, you think I got to make this team after making three catches in this three touchdown catches in this one game. But in the back of your mind, you're still, still thinking, don't get cocky. Don't get, don't get overconfident because that's the worst thing. that. Can. So how do you sort of do the, I feel good about where I am, but still terrified that you might get cut. Well, it was uh, well that being terrified never left me. I mean, I think coming in as an undrafted free agent and understanding the road and, and how hard it is to get there, that feeling of being cut every year never left me. And it kind of it was what fueled me. I always wanted to be better. I always wanted to make sure I was at the top of my game whenever I was out there. Um, and that's really, you know, what drove me. But two things was one was my family at home. Like my mom didn't care. She didn't give a, she didn't give a shit about any of this stuff. She's like, take out the garbage when you're here. Help me with the food in the kitchen, wash the dishes, wash anything you dirty, like things like that. So and then in the locker room, I was fortunate enough to be drafted around. I mean, or be, you know, around guys like Justin Tuck, Brandon Jacobs, Ahmad Bradshaw. 
they don't care who I am. Like, okay, I had three touchdowns, <laughs> but those guys have been there. They've, they've already won a Super Bowl. So I, they're not looking at me coming in there being cocky. I knew, I knew my role on that team. And I think that's what made us great that year was everyone knew their role and played their part to the highest um, of their ability. So, I mean, how much did your sort of heart go out to all those free agents who didn't get those chances this year? Some of them did make the squads and some of them are doing very well, including the running back uh, down in Jacksonville. But I mean, like you knew what you needed to do and you needed that moment to make the team. How hard was it for guys that were in your position this year to even get that opportunity? So difficult, man. There were so many guys that I just felt for because, you know, even with shrinking the numbers down from 90 to, you know, whatever it was, 78 or 80 or whatever it was, those are guys that are never going to get an opportunity to play. Like, it's not just they didn't make the team or it wasn't good enough or, you know, whatever. They didn't even get a chance to showcase their abilities and what they can do. And then we all know in this league, the next, cro- you know, the next year, there's a whole new crop of guys. So, like, where, where do you fit back in? in the grand scheme of all of it. And it's just, it's just tough. It's a tough time to obviously as a nation, as we battle, you know, this virus and everything like that, but it's also a tough time in sports and for free agents and for guys that are trying to fight and scratch and claw to make teams that aren't getting the same opportunity that they would have once gotten in years, in years prior. Yeah. It's been a really weird year uh, the entire way around, but you were one of those guys that had that moment and took the opportunity. So Good time to fill your glass, uh, get a refresher. And when we come back, we'll talk about the career you had and what happens going forward. Stay with us. Here at Half Forgotten History, our surprisingly great conversations are brought to you by State Farm. State Farm agents provide personalized service so you can customize your insurance to fit your needs. Like our Hall of Fame guests choosing the perfect never before told story to share with our listeners. Look, you need a team that supports you and gets you, and State Farm's got a great one. In addition to agents, the award-winning mobile app helps manage coverage, pay bills, file claims, and more. With a great price and even greater service, State Farm goes from strength to strength. Choose insurance that always brings its A-game. When you want the real deal, like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. All right, back with Victor Cruz, telling a little more stories here on Half Forgotten History. So you make the team, your rookie year's fine, but then your second year, you guys go to the Super Bowl, and it's against the Patriots. And for the second time, the Giants franchise finds a way to knock off the heavily favored uh, New England Patriots in Super Bowl 46 in Indy. You caught the first touchdown in that game, and I've watched that touchdown catch 500 times. A, I don't know how the hell Eli thought he was going to get it into you. You were triple covered. And B, how the hell did you catch that football? <laughs> it was so funny because right when I turned and looked for the ball, that's when the linebacker kind of reached out and it kind of just went right across my vision. And I kind of grasped it a little early and then I blinked. So I don't even know, like, we're in the Super Bowl, bro. You don't have no time to blink. Why are you blinking? Keep your eyes open all the time. But I blinked. And then I opened my eyes up again. The ball was right there, like a basketball almost. And I just snatched it. And then I looked down, I was in the end zone. And then I just started dancing. And it was just, and the best part of it that a lot of people don't know, in that end zone, um, my, my high school football coach and my godfather were about five rows up. And two guys no that have watched me play AAU basketball, like from when I was 10 years old, they've seen me play, you know, all these sports. And to have them five rows up in the end zone of a Super Bowl, you know, it just is just you can't paint the picture any any better than that. Yeah, that made it nine nothing because uh, there was a sack on the first series, mm-hmm. uh, not a uh, safety on the first series when Justin Tuck, who, by the way, all due respect to Eli Manning, 
Justin Tuck was the damn MVP of that Super Bowl. And I've told this to Justin before. And Lee, Eli, I love you, but quarterbacks get all the shit anyway. Let's be honest. Justin Tuck was the dominant force in that football game. 100%. But the throw to Mario just took, it just took it over the top. I mean, it was an absolute dive. Like, I remember watching it. It was just it, like, oh, my God, that was an absolute dive. All right. Two things about – I'm glad you brought that up because there are two things about that play that stick out in my mind. First of all, this is why I love NFL films because they give us the good stuff all the time. And there's a clip in that game where Bill Belichick is on the sidelines and he's mic'd up or they can hear the mic from the camera. And he's saying, double Knicks, double Cruz, make Manningham beat us. Because we all know, especially on that sideline throw that kept the drive alive but eventually led to to – uh, you know, the, the game-winning score when a Bradshaw yeah. sort of fell into the end zone. The squat. Was, yeah. yeah, right. But Mario <laughs> Manningham was terrible at this one thing. He would run himself out of bounds, out of bounds. on that rail shot play <laughs> all the time. Like, he and what's-his-face from the Chiefs used to do it all. Uh, Bo, Dwayne Bo. Dwayne they Bo, were the yeah. only two receivers that I only knew that ran themselves out of bounds. <laughs> so the fact that he – didn't, didn't run himself out of bounds on that play. First of all, that's the most remarkable thing about it, that he didn't screw it up to begin with, right? 100%. If anybody knows Mario, he does it all the time, all the time. But on this one, not only did he stay in bounds, but it was the prettiest little toy. Like, where was yeah. this? Where has this been? <laughs> Your entire career, I haven't seen this. <laughs> but he got those two twinkle toes in there, man, and caught that ball. I mean, he had no choice but to catch it the way it was thrown, but he just yeah. kept his feet in, and it was – the rest is history. But it was just uh, – and if anybody knows Mario, they know he always runs himself out of bounds all the time. That, that's the first thing I thought of. Oh, my God, <laughs> he actually stayed in bounds. Imagine what could happen if he did this more often. So, so uh, listen, obviously there was – you know, the injury of Gronk played a big part in that game, and the Hail Mary down the end, he couldn't even go up to get the ball. But when it sunk in, like when the clock struck zero – and you were a one-star recruit that went to UMass, was an undrafted free agent, fought your way onto the league. What was that feeling like when you realized, holy shit, we did it? It was, it was crazy. It was just like my entire body. It was just an out-of-body experience. And I just kept looking for the confetti. Like, that's the one thing you, you see on TV as a kid. You just, when's the confetti coming down? And then they popped it up there. And you just you just real relish in that moment and you think about the journey, right? Every time you reach the pinnacle like that, or you reach kind of that, that goal that you're looking to set for yourself and you reach it, you kind of just look back and you have that time to reflect and say, man, I've accomplished something. And, and it's something that can't be taken away from me. I remember my first, uh, my first year in the league, Dominic Hickson said, man, you better rack up these things that they can't take away from you because yeah. those are the things that are going to stick. Those are the stories that are going to matter. Those are the friendships and the relationships that I've made that are going to matter. And you just think about all of that and you're, and I'm appreciative. I'm appreciative that I went through what I went through because I think it, it brought me full circle and helped me appreciate where I am now so much more. Yeah. So, you know, we do everything on this show. So we're going to celebrate the good. We're going to celebrate the bad a little bit as well. Yeah. So if the pinnacle was winning Super Bowl 46, we got to go back to the boat photo in 2016. <laughs> uh, you guys, you guys make the playoffs. You all go down to Miami. You take that picture on the boat. It's like the entire Giants receiving core was on that boat. It was you, Odell, Sterling, Roger Lewis, some, some rappers. And then, of course, the photo was posted. And, and all hell broke loose. Was there ever a moment as you guys were on that boat trip thinking about that picture, as you're all in jeans and Tim's, by the way, in sunny yep. Miami, yep. 
the, yep, yep. At, at any time during that process, did you think this is really a terrible idea? Yeah, uh, yes, but <laughs> yeah, all of it. But it was <laughs> in the moment, in the moment we were having a blast. Like it just, yeah. I feel like people were upset. We were having a really good time. Like and the game wasn't until so far away. It was our day off. We didn't break any rules. Yeah. So we yeah. went and had a little fun. So slap us on the wrist. Why don't you? But in oh. terms of that photo, as I'm taking the photo, I'm just like, okay, these, I'm just like, these guys know not to post this, right? Like, obviously, yeah. They're not going to. Why would they post this? Like, it's just a bunch of guys. We're just chilling. And then before we even, before we docked, the picture was haywire within hours. And I was just like, oh, no. <laughs> you uh, couldn't even make it back to land before you knew you were screwed. back to land before. And then the, my phone, everyone's, you just see everyone's phones start going off, like, with different lights and sounds. And you're just like, wait, what is mm-hmm. going on? Um, but in hindsight, you know, we, we had a good time. It'll, it's a moment that'll live in, in infamy now that I'll forever have to talk about. But, uh, but I have no regrets, man. We had a blast. Yeah, and I want to be clear. It had no effect on the game. Unless yeah. people were thinking about, uh-oh, I better play well because of the photo in the game. But it had no effect. It was just one of those things where if, if social – this used to happen all the time, right? Ten years ago, people did this all – no one would have noticed. It's just that everyone does this thing now, and it changes your perception, right? Nothing about the photo or the trip to Miami changed the outcome of the game, but because you lost, perception then becomes reality. Exactly, and I guarantee you, if you put some cameras or some camera phones around some of those teams in the 90s, you'll see a lot more than just a boat photo oh. in, uh, in Miami. So – you know, of course, it's the nature of the beast is what we live in. And I think now, you know, it's harder to be an athlete now. There's so much more pressure on you to be perfect because of, you know, that that very thing, being caught on camera or a photo or something that just, you know, can shed a negative light on you and on your career. And you just have to be careful. Yeah. By the way, uh, there's causation and there's correlation. Uh, there right. is no causation here. But since that photo, we don't have the exact numbers, but I'm doing the math. Oh, the Giants record is ass since that photo. <laughs> this is true. And, and it's, it's something I scratch my head about. I mean, it's just tough. I, I think, um, you know, so just the injuries that they face over the years and just the, the level of play. Obviously, Daniel Jones was a bright spot and he's kind of leveling out now, which is which is uh, unfortunate. You kind of want him to keep going up, but then you look at the weapons around him that, you know, one guy's dropping by the week. You don't know who's going to start, who's going to play Evan Ingram. He has great days where he looks great. And then there's some days where he, he doesn't look so great. So it's, it's just a, a very up and down year or years for the, for the Giants organization. Yeah. But I think they got some real decisions to make in this draft in terms of like Trevor Lawrence to how much do they still believe in Daniel Jones? Although he's just in his second year, they got some real live questions to ask themselves I'm um, going into this offseason, but I think the, the future is bright. That defense plays very well. They get around the football. They create turnovers. James Bradbury is like the, the, the brightest spot on yeah. that defense. It's been fun to watch him play. Um, so I'm just, I'm optimistic, obviously, because I, you know, I want to make sure my card works when I get back in the building. But, uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> but, uh, but I think the future is bright. I think they just got some, it's going to be, it'll be a tough offseason for sure. How much do you bleed blue still? All of it, man. If you cut me right now, Trey, if we just get a little blue, would literally ooze out of my pores. 
like 1,000. No, listen, <laughs> I, I am not, I am not here to cut you. I am here to celebrate with you, my friend. So uh, listen, uh, I, I loved working with you when you were at ESPN. We always had a blast. I, I always love talking to you, brother, because I think your story is inspirational and it's great for those guys who didn't fit the mold, right? You see so many guys that like, well, uh, you know, I'm, they're 6'3", they're 225, they run the 4-3-4, they have the vertical, they have the three-cone drill, and some of them don't make it. And sometimes you need to find out that there are guys who can just can play, right? Mm-hmm. Put on the tape, and the tape doesn't lie, and you're an inspiration to a lot of guys who might be outside the box, but can prove, hey, just because I don't have all these assets doesn't mean I can't play the damn game. Absolutely, man. Th- thank you, Trey, for having me, man. And I just want to encourage everybody to just attack, you know, grab the bull by the horns, man. Take that opportunity. If it's just one, a small shot, whatever it is, just make sure you take advantage of it and put your best foot forward and be ready for the opportunity because it may not come back around. That'll do it for this edition of Half Forgotten History. Our thanks to Victor Cruz for being with us. We're sending a check to Ronald McDonald House in his behalf as a thank you for joining us. And also thanks to Maker's Mark. Remember to pour yourself into everything that you do and reach for a bourbon that's made with that personal touch. In fact, why don't you reach for a glass right now and raise a toast to all those incredible athletes that are continuing to create something remarkable. And remember this, Maker's Mark crafts their bourbon carefully. All they ask is that you enjoy it the same way. So that's it for this edition of Half Forgotten History, but coming up on the next episode, we are gonna chop it up with the man who has rushed for more yards in the NFL than anybody probably ever will again, Hall of Famer Evan Smith.